Hello, and good day, folks. My name is John, and I want to say thank you for taking the time to download and listen to this broadcast or this podcast, depending on the medium in which you are using. It is, of course, a humbling blessing and honor that you bestow upon me to listen to the thoughts and considerations that I have and the words that are coming out of my mouth. It is a sacrifice that you make to take a moment of your time to hear what I have to say. And for that, I say thank you. Balance. The Lord delights in a just and fair balance. The ancients knew and understood this far better than I think we as Westerners do. We do not see hand-in-hand relationships. We instead see polemic dichotomies. We see tensions drawn, opposites, and we do not think in terms of relationship. The ancients knew and understood this relationship, this dynamic between God and man. They understood it very, very well. We, however, seem to look at opposites. We view man and woman as an opposite. They are not in fact, opposite, but in fact, they are two parts that make a whole. And this is very interesting to know and understand. For you see, in the church, there is a polemic, a very dangerous and unfortunate polemic, and that is the polemic between faith and works. For you see, at some point or another, Some would argue that the Catholic Church had gotten to the point where they said that we had become a works-based faith. It is about what you do, more about the faith. And this, of course, is not true. This is not accurate. I can't speak on whether Catholics actually believe this or not, but for the sake of conversation, we will look at them as a dichotomy, as two opposing forces. Protestants, however, would say that it is by faith alone, and they have two course, uh, they're of two They, of course, are too correct. It is by faith alone. But the unfortunate thing is, is that we have turned around and we have, instead of looking at the relational aspect of faith and works, we now view them as opposing forces. A tug of war, if you will. And this is unfortunate because this is both false and and it is untrue. For you see, we do not consider what works actually are. We do not consider the Middle Eastern modality, the cognitive Middle Eastern environment of Jesus, the Messiah, the apostles. We do not think in the terms as to what actually is work, but we are told how work is viewed. We are told... We hear, we see, we know what work is. For you see, even Jesus said to the Pharisees, did not David and his friends pick a few kernels of grain off of the wheat because they were hungry? Indeed, such a little thing was considered to be work. But in the faith versus works argument, unfortunately, it becomes a push and a pull. But the reality is, 
They go hand in hand. They walk together. Much like the spirit and the body walk together. Much like emotion and reason walk together. Much like man and woman walk together. So too must faith and works. To say that I have faith because look at all the great works I do is false. This is not the way, for then you become a Pharisee, and you become nothing more than a whitewashed tomb parading about, showcasing your piety, bragging to everybody about all of the good works that you have done. This is not the way. However, however, if you have faith and you have faith in the Messiah, and you have faith in the God, the Lord Most High, the Lord of the Sabbath, the God of the seasons, the God of the solar system of the universe, the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, the God of gods. If you have faith in him, you then do the work that he has commanded you to do. For faith without works is dead faith. And we are also taught, we are also taught, that unless you do the Father's will, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But you see, when we think of works, we automatically think of it as a nine-to-five job. This is not the case. Works is an action. Works is an activity. Works is something that you do. Yes, it is not works that save us. This is true. Works do not save us. Faith saves us. But works are the evidence of our faith. And this is very important to know and understand. For example, if I call myself a Christian and I do not work or act upon that faith, then as James says, my faith means nothing. When Jesus commanded the woman at the well to go out and sin no more, he commanded her, to do an action. He commanded her in action. And I am of a mind to believe that Jesus would not give a command that could not be fulfilled. To be sure, Paul does say that my faith is like rags. And I can do nothing without God. And I thoroughly agree with him. Without God... We are our own gods. Our faith and our works are flawed. However, God is not a God who would give us an insurmountable task without giving the ability, without giving us the ability to accomplish that task. If God says, dig a ditch for me, he will give me the tools to dig a ditch, or at least give me the ability to go out and dig the ditch. If God tells to me to build an ark, then I will assuredly find a way and have the ability to build an ark. God says to me, move a mountain then assuredly, I must take it in faith that there is a way to move the mountain. And indeed, it is brought up then. What about the thief on the cross? Well, that's a very good question. 
For you see, by definition, by the Middle Eastern definition, he did do the works. He did do the work. For when he looked over at the Messiah and said, why are you here? I take that back. When the two thieves were talking to the Messiah and the one thief was mocking and the other said, be silent. This man has done nothing wrong. And Jesus looked over here and they said to him, in this day, you have faith. And the thief proclaimed with his lips that he was Lord and asked for a seat at his table. And the Lord said, it shall be given to you. This is the revelation of the mystery of the talents of the workers. For whom has been given little, little is expected. For whom has been given much, much is expected. If I'm at the end of my life, and I have the ability to do good in the name of the Father. And this is what I have been given that I must do. If I fail to do, Father, forgive me regardless. I have faith, but it is by faith alone that I will at least try. That I will strive for something. Temperance takes work. Discipline takes work. Sanctification is a process that sometimes takes a little bit of work. It is difficult to struggle against addiction. It is difficult to struggle against idolatry. These are the works of faith. So you see, they do not pull against one another. Faith and works go hand in hand. There's another parable that the Messiah spoke of. He spoke of the four workers. This too is the revelation of works and faith. For in the morning, the landowner came out and hired some men to do work in his vineyards. And as the day went on, he hired some more workers at the same rate. And then towards the end of the day, he hired more. And then later on in the day, he hired even a little bit more. Each one paid the same rate. And the workers who started out early said, why do you pay the men who only worked for a little bit of time the same that you pay us? And he said, this is what you agree upon. And this is what you have signed up for. I have known the Lord for a very long time, and I can say to you this. I have been unfaithful. I have not done the good work, and I have been the lazy and worthless servant, given much, and yet I squandered it. But yet, at the same time, I have been that lazy servant who broke my arm, patting myself on the back, saying, look at all the good works that I have done. But you see, if your works, like your clothing, are nice and beautiful, then your reward is in full. You have gotten that which you received. You have, got, you have received that which you have gotten. I'm sorry. You have received that which you have desired. 
the adoration of your friends and family. Good for you. But you are an empty whitewashed tomb. You hold the dead within you. For all you are are your works. You have no compassion, no love, no humility, no kindness. You're doing great, but your faith is lacking. Now, some might say, well, how is it then that the thief did any work? But he did. He confessed with his lips. That, too, is work. When you are nailed to a cross in the hot Jerusalem sun in the middle of summertime, and you are suffocating slowly, baking, dehydrated, And that is all you have left. I would contend that that amount of work that he did, that man towards the end of his life, was all the work that he could have done. God is not going to judge you on the work that you can't do. He will judge you on the work that you could do. Now, that's not to say that we need to go out and start breaking our backs and whipping ourselves for being poor servants. We're all terrible servants at one point or another. But as it has been written, the work is great and the workers are few. But it is by faith that I am justified. It is by faith that I am sanctified. And it is by faith that I go out and do good. These are the works of the faithful. This is not a polemic. This is not a push and pull. This is a balance. You cannot make a cake with flour alone any more than you can make a cake with water alone or eggs alone. Indeed, you must put the ingredients together to form a balanced recipe and to form a balanced product. So too are we. A balance must be struck. We are balanced. We are reconciled with God through faith. And when he commands us to go out and sin no more, the first command, that is the first job, the first bit of work, the first bit of deed, that must be done. Proclaim the gospel we are commanded to do. That is indeed Work. We are commanded to do so. We're not commanded to sit on our haunches, idly speculating, watching the world go by, though sometimes it is very desirable to do so. We are commanded to proclaim the good news that he is risen, and it is because of faith 
that we do these things. And God is a good and kind master. He is not a cruel and vindictive God or a cruel and vindictive master. He does not take pleasure in taunting us or teasing us. He takes pleasure and delight that we do good. Now, some might say, but the Mosaic Law, indeed, I will go back further. Let us go back to Genesis. Let us go back to Genesis. Do good. Stay away from evil, for sin is crouching at the door. We have been commanded to do good. Do good not for our sake. Do good for God's sake. For we must be reconciled with God. We must be balanced out. This balance that I speak of is ancient thought. It is not categorical as our strict and rigid Western thought is. We talk about love as if love is the paragon of all things. But if we are governed by reason and we express with emotion, then we must have a balance between emotion and reason. No one would want to be the cold, hard, logical computer without any emotions. We would call such a person a psychopath. Someone who cannot empathize or feel love. We would say that there's something wrong with them. However, if we could say that somebody who is cold and hard and logical with no empathy, no emotion, has a problem, then so too we can say that people who are strictly emotional with no logic and reason and all they have is the fiery passions of their hearts with no reason, then there too is something wrong with them. And therefore, it must be that love, joy, happiness, and sorrow must be balanced with logic, reason, justice, discernment, and all sorts of things that would equalize the balance. The ancients knew and understood this. Now, we will throw in another one. Does good need evil? And does evil need good? No. That is not balance. For you see, the ancients knew and understood this. And we have forgotten this because we say that, well, good needs evil because without evil there would be no good. This is silliness. Nonsense. Good has no need for evil. We do not judge good fruit by bad. We know good fruit when we see it. 
I don't need bad fruit to determine the good fruit. But when I see bad fruit, I know it is bad because I can recognize good. So, if evil is not part of good, then what is evil? Evil is the chaos that disrupts the balance of good. Evil is the chaos that disrupts the balance of good. And these are the revelations of the ancient mysteries of marriage. Between man and woman. Between God and man. For you see, men think and act differently than women, and women think and act differently than men. But we walk hand in hand, and we come together to balance the other out. And we come together to create life. As a general practice, I am not saying that every time you bed your wife or your husband... that you must do it with the intent of procreation. However, it is important to note that procreation is a symbol of the goodness that comes from that union. And we can use all symbols. We can twist and pervert them however we'd like. And when we twist and pervert what is good with our own sinful desires, it twists and perverts our bodies, our souls, and our spirits. So you see, Christ came down here, the Messiah, God himself, came here to reconcile, to restore balance, to clean our robes, in the blood of the Lamb, to make us pure, so that we could approach God, join God, become one with the Father in marital union, as a metaphor, not having sex with God. It's a metaphor. God doesn't need me. But God desires. And as such, he wishes to join so that we can all become one, become inheritors of his kingdom, Seek first the kingdom of heaven.
and all things will be yours. All things. A balance must be struck. For the wages of sin, the scales of justice, say that the wages of sin are death. Death of the spirit, death of the soul, death of the body, death. Separation from God. I want to say thank you for taking the time to listen. I speak to you in faith. But these are the deeds. These are the tasks that have been set before me. And I pray that I speak well. And that you understand that it is by faith that I do. Lest I be called a lazy and worthless servant. Thank you. And I hope that in the end you can look at your own lives, your own selves, and quietly listen to that thought in the back of your heart, that whisper of the Lord who says, go out and feed my sheep. I am not here to tell you what to do, and I am not here to judge your works or your moral piety. I can only speak for myself. And I can only share with you my thoughts on this subject. But it is out of faith that I do. It is out of faith that I study and read and research. It is out of faith that I speak. It is out of faith that I show compassion and mercy. It is out of faith that sometimes I listen for hours to some who might not have anyone for them to speak to. These are the tasks that have been set before me, but it is out of faith that I do all tasks. It is out of faith that I do all works. No, it is not the works that will save me, but it is the faith that I have. It is the faith that I have. And hopefully, like in marriage, the faith that I have will stretch out and hold the hand of the works that I do to walk together. Humility, compassion, mercy, Love and reason. So that the Lord will welcome me into his home and say, good job, good and faithful servant. And I will say to him, Father, but I have failed. Forgive me of my sins, please. 
I don't deserve his forgiveness for the sins that I have done. That's why it is a gift. Perhaps something we can talk about at a later date. Until next time, I wish to say thank you and good day.